0: Well, we're going to have a howling good time because we're talking movies. We're talking The Wolf of Snow Hollow, starring Jim Cummings, Ricky Landholm, and the late Robert Forrester, written and directed by Jim Cummings. You want people to stop talking shit about police? Do better police work.
1: (laughs) But I have to say, I'm just curious if you still have that pepper spray that I got you for communion. everybody and welcome to this week's episode of how'd you like that movie tonight we're going to be talking about the wolf of snow hollow from 2020 and to kick it over to scott our resident horror expert take it away scott okay
0: you you like give me such titles it makes me feel so important (laughs) eh? resident
1: horror important or impotent (laughs) what does it make you feel important or impotent how would it make me feel impotent just to play on words man just (laughs) play on words he's got to roll with the punches improv baby yes and yes and and moving on how many gin and tonics did you have before we started (laughs) (laughs) all right scott so our resident or expert scott is gonna take us away yeah like this this
0: film when it came out last year was kind of on my radar but I never actually had a chance to watch it and um you know if I waited another year to watch it I wouldn't have been that bad of a deal too like I think it's more interesting because based on what the conversation we had last week with Don't Breathe and this is way more of an independent feel of like a horror comedy. hundred percent. I'm way more, I'm way more interested in what
1: your thoughts or your original thoughts are on this on, on watching it. So do you mean the fact that like, yes, don't breathe is considered like an independent, but it had what, like a $10 million budget and it looks very high end by that. That's what you mean.
0: Yeah. And this one,
1: like, this had a $2 million budget, I, actually, right?
0: Yeah, like this to me was um, a horror comedy movie in the style of like Jared Hess, sure. who by the look on your face, you have no idea who it is, but literally the writer director of Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, and okay, yeah, Libre. yeah, Like, it's like if he was going to make a horror film kind of thing, you have the quirky characters, the quirky dialogue and kind of like the cut, uh, linear scenes kind of thing the way he does it where it's all like small town small sensibilities and everything just like kind of blows up
1: sure or what about shawn of the dead like kind of in that vein as well i mean shawn of the dead's a little higher production simon Pegg. i mean yeah no i wouldn't yeah like because
0: for me Shaun of the dead was more it's the thing to me that makes a horror comedy good that's why Shaun of the dead is amazing that's why ghostbusters are amazing is you have to do the first part right so you have to do the horror part right
1: got you okay
0: and that and then you got it then the comedy just blends into it right So you basically and you riff
1: you riff off of the horror you're making a horror or you're making you're trying to make a good horror and then you make it comedic basically is what you're saying
0: exactly right and i think that's why those two like in terms of uh horror comedies are like one and two right like those are the tops
1: sure i mean one could argue and again this will actually kind of like lead into my criticism of this film is both of those films that we just talked about have really good scripts they start with really good scripts like ghostbusters has a great script so does Shaun of the dead i felt like this this to me, and again, I'm going to apply like where I'm currently in in my film filmmaking, is that you write a draft, you get a first run at that draft, and you keep revision doing revisions. This feels like the first pass of that draft, and then they went into production. Um, it there it just it didn't it didn't seem fully developed. It felt very piecemeal. Uh, that there was editing choices as well. Uh, it tended to like kind of jump around uh you, like you said there's some nonlinear uh nonlinear narrative that's used in some of the kill scenes which could have been good, but it to me it felt a bit disjointed and just dis- it, it was a bit disorganized um so I mean the reality is is do you know much did you know about uh, much about Jim Cummings before this this film no I didn't no I didn't um like
0: after this film like. The thing that I thought was interesting is like when you go to raw and tomatoes about this film, like critics love it. It's like 89% for the critic. hundred percent. But in terms of it, in terms of an audience score, it's way, like it's just past the 50 or it's like 66%. Right. From mm-hmm. when I looked at it. Yeah. So there, to me, I thought it was weird in terms of the disconnect. Um, but his first film that he wrote and directed thunder, Thunder, thunder road, road yep yeah. yeah it's like 89 89 like everybody loved that kind of thing i actually watched it today and it's literally like to to me it's the same movie right it's, it's definitely the same a character police officer. yes yeah it's like a police officer who's an alcoholic who you know is coming off a loss and trying to deal with that kind of thing and i'm like okay it's it's just like okay let's Let's try to do like a Kevin Smith thing in which, you know, Jay and Silent Bob are in every movie, but you're not playing the same player kind of thing. Yeah, and
1: in Jay and Silent Bob, like they are those characters. They're not type those types of characters. They literally play Jay and Silent Bob in each in each movie. So did you watch the mm-hmm. actual uh feature film Thunder Road, though it's like eighty, again, eighty minutes, ninety minutes, or yeah, did yeah. you watch the short?
0: No, I watched the feature film. It was on Prime here. Sure. Okay, I actually just, I finished it an hour ago.
1: Okay. So that's actually on my list to check out because it did really well at both Sundance and uh, South by Southwest um, film festivals. So one of the things I noticed about this story, so first off, in The Wolf of Snow Hollow, he writes, directs, and is the the lead actor. And he does the same mm-hmm. in Thunder Road, <laughs> as well as the original. So Thunder Road, the short is like, nine minutes long or something like that. And it's actually a really cool short. You can find it on YouTube. It's basically, a, it's essentially him doing a monologue at a, at his mom's funeral. And so it's like a single location. The camera for the most part is just static in front of him doing like a slow push in. Uh, and it's just him. And it's done in a single shot. And that's actually one of the things that he also used on his short film, The Robbery, which also got nominated for Sundance in South by Southwest. So he seems to like the single shot, like one take kind of filmmaking. And it makes me wonder if that was the problem. And again, I haven't seen uh, Thunder Road, the the full feature, but one of the issues I had with the Wolf of Snow Hollow, like I said, is like the editing and, and the directing, like he didn't seem to be able to execute it properly. And I just wonder if he, A, because he's the primary actor, writer, and director, he was too, he was too close to the script. So he couldn't separate himself from the work he'd done so that the film could stand on its own. Um, And again, if he's used to working in like single takes, maybe it was just like, it was, it was too much, right? Like I didn't, did you, did you get the budget of what he got for to turn Thunder Road into a feature?
0: no i didn't to be honest like i didn't look into thunder road that much because we weren't really discussing it um today but like i'll say in terms of this film like in terms of wolf there there are some choices he made as a director that um i actually enjoyed a lot in a plot like applaud like the the two cupboard scenes right where where it's just, like, a single pan close-up where you see the oven microwave and then right above it is the cupboard. It it played twice. Like, the first day when shit starts going down, you see it at 11 o'clock or... Yeah, 11 o'clock at night, and it's kind of close up to it. And then the next day when the next murder happens, and then when the third murder happens, and then it, like, close-up and actually goes into it, and that's where all he's hidden, his alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, like, each night where he... He's he slowly, you know, it's what he was afraid of, right? Because everything was from his point of view. Now, in terms of the writing, um, this movie does have more plot holes than Swiss cheese. Because, <laughs> like, in terms of if the whole premise was, you know, I like the whole bit where, you know, half the town is like, or half the police department are like, it's a werewolf. And he's like, it's not a fucking werewolf. <laughs> he's like, it's a man. <laughs> all right. And he's like, why can't I just be right? Kind of thing. Right. Um, like, I like that dynamic. But in terms of um, once you find out who the wolf is, like, how is that not given away in the first, like, your, all your criticisms you had with don't breathe and a blind
1: man. Yeah.
0: If, if that, person lived in the town for all these years and was literally a business that people would go visit how did no one come across who this guy is if he was a townie
1: yeah and i mean even stuff like realistically like you've had these massive murders and you're you're not calling in like the fbi or like a state police department um but i mean you i think you go ahead well, I was going to say they,
0: they do address that in the film because the one cop does want to do that. He's like, let somebody else handle it. And he his character's like, when the minute you say somebody else, that means it's never going to do it. And that's where he came, like, my quote for the thing came from, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't want people to talk shit, you got to do it.
1: Yeah, I get that. But the reality is, is like, you're supposed to be trying to let the audience have a sense of disbelief, but it needs to be suspended, right? And so the idea that you're just having people like ripped apart and no outside agency is coming in, you need to put something in like a blizzard, right? Telephone lines go down, condense the time period. And so they're like, you're like, you're on the phone with the FBI and you're like, hello, hello. Like so many movies do that, right? You just cut off the communication, the outside world. Now you're like, now we're isolated now. And it also gives a sense of urgency to what you're trying to do. Cause now you're not just trying to solve a crime for the sake of solving a crime is that people are dying. People are dying fast and you're on your own. It almost puts you as a, like a, in a, in survivor mode as the audience. Like you're starting to like really worry about this. And there seemed to be, no yeah, to but, go ahead, go ahead.
0: Uh, no, I was going to say what, what you're saying. I get it, but that's, that's cliche movie tropes. And if you haven't watched it, I, I would recommend watching the little, our film on netflix which is the attack of the cliche movie tropes oh in nice which they discuss that they discuss all like here's these tropes like you know uh you're relying on technology and then technology fails and now it's just you
1: but they're just, tropes they're tropes and they're blizzard. cliche for a reason so i get i hear what you're saying and and i do actually like the idea of a serial killer being like a monster like that's cool like that's a really cool premise that is outside the box uh sort of like the it's sort of like the blind guy in don't breathe it's a great idea but if you're gonna get too far outside of the box you got to make sure everything else is shorn up so maybe you throw in like that movie trope here in order to you know shore up your plot so that you can go off of it in a different direction right this film like i said it felt like the first couple drafts of the script and it didn't, they didn't work it through. And again, so he's not a super experienced director when it comes to feature films, right? So he basically had a a feature that was basically an extension of his short film, which is fine. I mean, the short to the feature premise happens all the time. Um, But it means that you need to make sure you have other people on your crew uh, or like your script needs to be solid. Like you don't want to be indie everywhere all the time because things start to fall apart. So um, one of my quotes is from Variety uh, to Peter Dubridge. Uh, Wolf actually does the thing we all hope second features won't. It reveals that the idiosyncrasies of an unproven director's debut weren't quirks so much as weaknesses. A, dis- a disappointment for those of us hoping lightning might strike twice for the Thunder Road Helmer. And again, like, maybe he just was outside of his depth on this film. Because I'll I'll be honest, it was very difficult for me to get through this film. I think I took it in four bites and it's like 90 minutes long. It's actually, I think it's less than that. It's 88 minutes long. So it's not even an hour and a half. Took me four shots at watching it to get through it. It was was, was very sloggy. Um, There's lots of scenes where there's too much time, just kind of stagnant time. It felt very independent and it didn't need to be. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. That's what I was saying in terms of my example of like a horror movie in Napoleon Dynamite's world, right? Like where you have these scenes, you have the action, you have the horror, whatever, but then you have these cafe scenes where it's just the characters in like a 10-minute dialogue just going back and forth, shooting quirks at each other, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And some of that's fine, right? You cut over, da-da-da-da-da, you cut to something else moving on. Right. Um, I actually, one of my notes was like, uh, it feels like a made for TV movie from the time before all movies were made for TV. Um, you you know what I mean? Like those Sunday afternoon, early early 90s, like Stephen King's it. Yes, exactly. It had that kind of feel or or even a mini series, like a two episode mini series or something like that. Like tune in two Fridays in a row to see the wolf of snow. Hollow yada, yada, yada. Um, (laughs) But yeah, uh, so interesting enough, he uh, he has some acting credits. None of them are like really important outside of this. He did actually, I think he did well as an actor. There was definitely points that I was like laughing out loud. Like he's got a lot of presence um, in some <laughs> respects though. He's like overshadowing his other characters and not because he's the lead, but because like his energy is like sucking up all the oxygen in the scene. So he's not really, he's not really acting with his fellow actors he's in a scene and they just happen to be there and that's not good either right like you want simpatico with your scene partners
0: i like i'll tell you like i feel for these actors right because i know what it's like to be in a in a production <laughs> with somebody who just sucks up all the oxygen right like <laughs> and sometimes it's hard
1: to breathe i <laughs> i know i know what it's like it's like you're drowning. <laughs> So how did you how did you pick this movie? like how did you come across it in the first place? Because I watched it on Crave. Yeah, same here. Uh, it was literally last
0: year. Um, you know when we're in COVID and stuff's getting released, you know VOD and all that stuff. Um, yeah, and I think it was either Twitter or Facebook or something, like some kind of social. like this movie was constantly popping up when it got released. So that's what put it on my budget. But I was like, the way I deal with VOD is the same as um, going to to the theaters, right? Like I only go like before COVID, give or take, I'm only going to the theaters twice, maybe three times in a month, right? So if I'm spending twenty bucks or twenty five bucks to rent a movie, it's the same thing. It's one that I would go and I just let this one pass by and until it came on a Netflix or prime or one of the streaming services I have to, and then watch it through there. Right. Watch it through that subscription.
1: So I've got a note just to, just to our original topic. Um, I got a note from our producer. So thunder road was done for like 200,000. So it was basically like a, what is that? A tenfold increase. He went from 200,000 to a $2 million budget. So I just think maybe I just think it got got away from him. You know what I mean? I just don't think he had the experience to. um, Well, what was the budget on this one? Two million. And uh,
0: does it say how much it made? Uh,
1: well, I mean, it's tough, right? Because it did a box office of like I don't know, two hundred grand or something like that. But oh, sorry, actually, it did a box office of ninety two grand in one hundred and twelve theaters. But I mean, it came out in September of COVID who knows how much money that it made in the rights licensing Undead. yeah it's always hard to get yeah. those numbers right so but i mean again production he went he went from $200,000 production budget to $2 million production budget so again i think i think the i think the script got out of his hand the whole production kind of got away from him and maybe he needs to like spend some more time or work with a really expensive experienced dop cuz even his dop who she did a great job Uh, Natalie Kingston, uh, she actually has a film called Shapeless, uh, that's again, shot in new Orleans and it's about like, a a woman who's dealing with like either anorexia or something like that. And just the trailer, like the cinematics in the trailer, I was like, yeah, I want to fucking watch Mm. this. So, um, but she's done mostly like shorts and like indie indie films, which is fine. Like, I mean, it it means that she's got the artistic ability, but I would almost like a film like this. You almost want like a really... Like a cinematographer that works with like someone like a Steven Spielberg or Ron Howard or something, someone who's just like really grounded in like, uh, like professional filmmaking. Not even getting too crazy with the arts, but like just like bang, bang, bang can kind of keep the direction on track. You know what I mean?
0: I do, but again, it was a two million dollar budget. Some of those people probably sure. would inflate the budget over, right? So sure, sure. sure. Kind of what? Like again, you're more the production. Guys, since that's what you're doing, but to me, like a two hundred thousand um, budgeted film to a two million dollar budgeted film, all you're doing is most of the equipment's all the same. You're just paying more people,
1: yeah, right, lots more people. Whether
0: it's whether it's you know in whether it's bigger actors like you know whatever Robert Forster, yep. um the salary was at the time um because yeah this is his last credited acting role because he passed right after this
1: yeah he died in uh 2019 he was 78 and died of brain cancer he was uh so when i was looking up his filmography he's got a massive filmography so he i don't know if you ever saw this movie you're probably a little bit too young so there's a late 70s disney film called the black hole and he was like he played like with the leads in it like one of the the ship's yeah that was when
0: yeah when disney tried to like um you know before they bought star wars they're like fuck it we'll just make our own yeah, star yeah, yeah. wars that, that
1: completely bombed yeah that no but that was like i remember when i was in like i was like 5 years old that was my favorite favorite movie like i played it at my birthday party like i loved it i was like oh that's kind of cool man like i was already into the like the the well produced uh disney productions i guess you know oh yeah you were <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> this,
0: this this piece of knowledge just literally made it 100 better. Now I know why your tastes are so bad. <laughs> if the black hole was your favorite fucking film as a kid, I also, you could have at least. I also like
1: the Blues Brothers. With,
0: that's good, but you could have at least gone with um, fucking Flight of the Navigator.
1: Right, oh, I, I don't remember that for
0: Oh my God, I also, also liked I also one. liked
1: American Tail. So I mean, we're not. This isn't this isn't actually the Chris show, even though I kind of tend to make it my show. Uh, but Robert Forster yeah, for me for far go I was ahead, gonna say go for ahead. For Forster for me was um, actually Jackie Brown. I was just gonna say Clinton. Jackie Brown man. He got a because he got his Oscar yeah. nod for that.
0: That's good for
1: him. Is did that, he to- win? He did not win. I and I didn't look up who he lost to. Did you? Uh, is. I'm assuming Jackie Brown is not your favorite Tarantino film,
0: though. You always have to bring it to Tarantino every episode. Eh? Jackie no, Brown, we've, Jackie we've Brown, is it. by
1: fucking Quentin Tarantino, and it's based off what is it, the Rum Diaries or whatever, by the same guy who wrote yeah, four ten like, to Yuma or Three Ten to Yuma.
0: Yes, we discussed this last time when we did Three Ten to Yuma, <laughs> but uh, no, I I did say what what my. Favorite Quentin movie was. So just listen to all the podcasts and every time, just fast forward to you hear Quentin and then stop there and then be like, Is this the one he said it? All right. I'm going to give you some fucking homework now.
1: (laughs) Hey, man, I'm mostly just doing this so that our audience who maybe didn't tune into every single one of our episodes yet, although they should, uh, can be like, Hey, do I like Scott? I don't know. Let's judge him based on his favorite Quentin Tarantino movie.
0: Isn't that's not how anybody judges anybody. That's how I judge. It's favorite quint. Yeah, <laughs> it's more like what's your what's your favorite Steven Spielberg
1: movie? E.T. Schindler's <laughs> List. No, Schindler's oh, fuck. List. Fuck. Um so did you like this movie? But, At, after all of this, what did you think? Like
0: I like the effort and I can see this slowly being um Like a cult. I'm hit? not going to put it in the same. Yeah, I'm not putting it in the same kind of John, like same status, but kind of like a in a couple of years from down the road, like a Rocky Horror picture, so kind of thing, not like yet. a movie not that even completely bombed. Fucking close, but no, yeah. no, no. But that's what I'm horrible, saying. Like horrible a movie analogy. that completely bombed. No, I'm saying a movie that completely bombed. Right, but I can see them doing some like The Room, right, where once a year this film goes up on the screen and I would say more like it, right? return
1: of the killer tomatoes. Like it's because the, the, the room no, is called, that's like 100% cult. Yeah. But so right? is the room. And so is Rocky horror picture show. Like those, those are like fucking literal like examples given for a cult classic film. Um, I don't know if this is going to reach that kind of status, man.
0: Um, see, I wouldn't say classic though. I wouldn't say cult classic, just a cult
1: film. right? Okay. Sure sure, tomorrow... sure. 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 Sure.
0: But yeah, that's kind of where I see it. Like again, like some of the choices I did enjoy in terms of what he did. But yeah, like I don't want to spoil like who the werewolf is or the wolf is. Um, but yeah, like offline we can talk about it because that was my biggest fucking like once you find out who it is, like
1: you're like you're just
0: like, what yeah, I like this was no sixth sense.
1: So i got one more quote from the Hollywood reporter and I actually want your kind of feedback on this just cause you're into horror and thriller. So we got John DeFore from the Hollywood reporter. He says satisfying enough as a horror slasher flick with a black comedy aftertaste, it has some commercial appeal, but doesn't represent a step forward artistically. So I agree with that second p- component. I think that just going off of the like short films I've seen, this is not better. Like he's not, he's not developing as an artist. Um, he may be developing in the sense that he now has a, again, without knowing the numbers, but a very commercially viable um, horror slasher flick. Um, but yeah, do you think it's, it was it satisfying enough as a horror slasher flick?
0: Like, it it was okay. Like, like, to be honest, like, I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. Like, this is middle of the road for me. And I think as well as, I know you're, you're putting him down i would say a lot in terms of it but there could be that's literally like
1: our job on this podcast is to do that so
0: it's not though you don't have to be the (laughs) asshole all right like you know but there literally is one component that we're probably not thinking like thunder road was 2019 this film was 2020 right sure so you have a year turnaround uh or let's say two-year turnaround from when he actually did thunder road um, and it probably was, you know, like most musicians and everything. You have that sophomore slump. Sure, maybe. Right, like for me, you know. Um,
1: Unless you're Quentin Tarantino, because there was no sophomore slump there. So.
0: Well, what would you can? Wouldn't you consider? Well,
1: I guess. Yeah. You, go ahead. I can see the head. wheels in your fucking head. No, I, I, yeah, because I I,
0: I I forgot. I forgot about uh, that tech Reservoir Dogs is his first, right? And then you go Pulp Fiction. But technically, Jackie Brown was a flop compared to his other films.
1: But it's not a bad movie. It,
0: I'm not saying it's a bad movie. But in terms of that, it was, like, it was. But if you went for just from Pulp to Jackie, like if you, and I think a lot of people in our generation probably did that because he hit hard with Pulp. Fucking right, he did. Right? And then Jackie came out, and a lot of people were disappointed. And then that's when, you know, the blockbuster guy's like, well, you should see his first movie, right? Reservoir Dogs.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It, like, I know that's how that's how, myself. That's how I went with Clinton was pulp Jackie, then it went to Reservoir Dogs, not realizing Reservoir Dogs is actually the first film he released, right? But was I saying like in terms of the sophomore slump like and I think adding the budget and probably a quick fucking turnaround that their the production company in the studio wanted is probably why you know
1: hey it's possible man it well, is or, what it or is or maybe but... he just is right already at his peak as a director. So I guess we'll find out he's got some other stuff coming out. He, uh, int- interesting, just a little tidbit. I think that, uh, so he's actually going to be, it, I, they didn't even have what character he's playing, but he has a role in Halloween kills. So I mean, what's that out October 15th.
0: Yeah. That's this year. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Two weeks or are... yeah. Today's yeah, what, next, the first? next yeah. week. Well,
0: technically when this gets released, it'll be the seventh. Sure. So yeah, I think it's next week.
1: Nice. Go on, timey wimey, man, you know? timey wimey. <laughs> anyway, uh, I mean, to if someone asked me if they should watch this, I would say the poster art's really nice. So, yeah, that that's kind of where I. You know go. what? <laughs> like where, like
0: where people are in terms of films. This would have made
1: a. This would hold on. This, a- this would have made a good sixty minute, like long short, basically, or or like a short feature. Anyway, keep going.
0: The perfect ninety-minute Netflix and chill movie.
1: Because you don't want to watch it.
0: (laughs) Because that's the thing. Like technically, in reality, you can watch the beginning part. Yep. Right where you you see the first fuck, and then you get to the end, and you're like, "Oh my god, there you go,
1: bam!" (laughs) The best Netflix. You're you're like perfect perfect Netflix and chill film. Uh, That's all for me. Uh, And unless Scott's got anything else, we will see you guys next week.
0: And that is our rant for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. If you're looking to get a hold of us, please go to our website at com. All our social media links are there. And you can email us as well. Yeah, and then I saw the trailer. I'm like, oh, it looks, it looks funny, right? think But then, yeah, like, once I saw it, I'm like, wow. I'm like, all the best bits are literally in the trailer.
1: Yeah, I love that, man, when you could just, you're like, oh, I could have just watched a fucking 15-second trailer. Save myself a whole uh, 65 minutes or whatever, right? Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.